got, we got people crying over here. Yeah. Anybody can come from a house that like the grandpa or the dad had a chair and you weren't allowed to sit in the chair. And, and I was like, you know, that was, that was a thing. And, you know, that's kind of what we're talking about in the metaphor of the red chair in this, in this series is living a life worthy of a gospel and the red chair symbolizing the gospel, living a life worthy to sit in that chair. And we're going through the book of Philippians to uh, just kind of pull that out. Now, the uh, letter to the Philippians that Paul wrote uh, is, is a book in the Bible, especially in the New Testament, that that has meant so much to me because Paul was writing about it in, in such adversity, in such, in such pain. He had been arrested uh, for preaching the gospel in Jerusalem, and he had been taken to Rome to be imprisoned. And in prison, he was sitting there, and he was writing letters to uh, different churches that he had uh, planted and made connections with people, people that he loved who were taking care of him, and he was reaching out to them. And, uh, you know, although probably most of us have never been in a physical prison or jail, the reality is through these words uh, that, that Paul talks about, about purpose in our life and, and going through hardship and going through struggle, all of us, this is a universal language that we all understand, all of us have experienced a prison of one kind or another. It could have been relational prison. It could have been uh, prison just in our occupation. It could have been uh, prison just by addiction. That these prisons, uh, the prison of adversity, that they take all shapes and forms in our lives and, and they confine us. They, they potentially have the, the power to hold us from back from living the life that God has envisioned for us. And sometimes you never even know what kind of prison is going to ensnare you that you think that it might be a good thing. Uh, it was actually yesterday, my, my mom called me and, uh, and she usually doesn't call me on Saturdays. I actually usually call her on Sundays and it's my weekly call to my mom just to catch up with her because I'm a good son, right? And uh, always check in on her and everything. So she calls on, on Saturday, and I'm like, oh, that's kind of odd. So I pick up the phone, and she's like, Mark, you know, and I'm like, I'm like, oh, hey, mom, you know, how, how are you doing? And she's like, I have a prayer request. And, and I'm like, okay. Uh, and she's like, uh, you know, let me know. And she says, well, first, you got to promise you that you can't laugh. And I'm like, <laughs> and I'm like, I'm a prayer request that I have to promise I'm not going to laugh at her. And if you know my mom, you're like, okay, what, what has she got herself into this time? You know, what is going on? And she's like, she's like, well, I've gotten stuck in the motorhome and I can't get out. <laughs> and, and she's like, it's okay. I have enough water for four days and, and, and everything. I'm like, I'm like, where, mom, mom, where, where's dad? And she's like, he's not in here. He got out. And uh, <laughs> I'm like, okay. So I'm sitting there and, and uh, I'm like, all right, I'm just going to pray that you can get out of the motorhome, you know? And, you know, it's kind of bizarre, you know? I'm sitting here and I'm praying and, and like, and then, 
I hear her like, like rudging around and everything. She's like, wait, wait, you know, and I'm like, what? And she's like, the fire department is here. And I'm like, what? And then suddenly she's like, I, she sent me some pictures. The fire department shows up. They're like cranking open the, the door and another picture here. They finally get it over. There's my dad not checking on my mom, checking on the damage on the door. <laughs> and then, of course, you got to, I, I can tell you that shot took 20 minutes to set up, okay, with my mom. You, your mom ever, like, said, yeah, it's like, okay, I'm amazed one of them are, is not holding a flower pot or something, you know. Oh, I have this beautiful bouquet. So, so, uh, so, you know, you never know, you know, you could, you could get entrapped into a prison, into a gilded cage, you know, or, or a, uh, into a motorhome. Uh, so you never know, right? And I think that the reality is, though, again, this is a universal truth for every single one of us that, that we have gone through major adversity in our life. We are going through major adversity in our life, or we're going to go through major adversity in our life in the future. It's just life. It's, it's, it's life living in a broken and messy world. And as we go through the, the, uh, the letter in Philippians that, that, we get to pull out these truths and these and this encouragement and and there's different phrases and different ideas that are presented in here that have gotten me through the darkest times times that I didn't know if I could make it another day another hour another minute and I've come back to these words of Paul inspired by the Holy Spirit to help me take that one more step forward. So if you open up your Bibles, uh, we're going to be in Philippians chapter one, and we're going to be in verses 12 through 30 today as we continue on. And he's writing again from prison and he picks up in verse 12 and he says, and I want you to know my dear brothers and sisters, these are people that he has built community with in the church in Philippi that everything that has happened to me here has helped me to spread the good news. He's in prison, okay? And he's looking about how it's helped him to proclaim the good news of Christ. For everyone here, including the whole palace guard, knows that I am in chains because of Christ. And because of my imprisonment, most of the believers here have gained confidence and boldly speak God's message without fear. Now, it's pretty amazing. Two things are happening here that, that, number one, because of his imprisonment, he's actually excited because the palace guards that he would have never been able to meet, he's actually getting to meet and have conversations with, and they are getting exposed to the good news of Jesus Christ. And then the second thing is that through his adversity that he is encouraging others to speak out in their faith, he's making them um, emboldened. So the two things he gets to do is engage with people that he would have never gotten engaged, been able to engage with because of this imprisonment, because of this adversity, and he's able to encourage others. And this is absolutely true with All of us, when we face adversity, we have the opportunity to react and and go inward or respond and go outward. And if you really think about it, and I've been a pastor for a long time, some of the most amazing 
ministries out there were born out of adversity. Do you know that? Do you realize that? That uh, the most amazing ministries out there were born out of adversity. You think about things that just come to mind like celebrate recovery. It's because people were addicted to alcohol and and drugs and and things like that. And they came together and said, you know what, through this adversity, through this prison, how can we bring glory to Christ? How can we uh, engage with other people and and encourage other people? You think about uh, divorce ministries and people who've gone through horrific, you know, uh, just separation with their loved ones. And people have started ministries uh, uh, for recovery of divorce and other ministries like E3 Fit where, where you know what, people just uh, coming out of just not having a handle on treating their body as a temple and people coming together and saying, we together can encourage and equip one another to better be able to live out this vision that God has for our lives. Ministry after ministry after ministry has been born out of adversity. I'm a pastor because of, of, my, of me being entrusted with depression and anxiety. I mean, it's just, I would have never been a pastor otherwise. And the encounters that I've been able to have with other people because of, of, of uh, depression and anxiety has opened the doors to literally hundreds of people and me having uh, the able to have the grace and the perspective that I would never have had if I hadn't gone through that adversity. So in verse 15, he continues on, he says, it's true that some are preaching out of jealousy and rivalry, but others preach about Christ with pure motives. They preach because they love me, for they know I have been appointed to defend the good news. Those others do not have pure motives as they preach about Christ. They preach with selfish ambition, not sincerity, intending to make my chains more painful to me. But that doesn't matter. Whether their motives are false or genuine, the message about Christ is being preached either way. So I rejoice. And I will continue to rejoice, for I know that as you pray for me and the Spirit of Jesus Christ helps me, this will lead to my deliverance. And I think this is such an important part in in this section because so often the reality is that we can get very sidetracked by people's motivations and what other people are doing. We can get so sidetracked by what other people are doing and miss the most important thing and that is what Christ has called us to do. It happens all too often and, and I think we've all been subject to it that we see people, you know, in this situation, there are people who are taking advantage of Paul being in prison and, and going out and, and trying to, for selfish motives, uh, either get fame or money or something like that. And, and instead of him saying, you know what, I'm so angry at those guys and getting sidetracked and stop doing what he's been called to do, and that's engage with people that he wasn't going to be able to engage with if he wasn't imprisoned and to encourage the other believers, instead of getting bitter and angry at the, those other people, that he stays focused and saying, you know what, it really doesn't matter that I cannot control what these other people are doing. All I can do is do what God has called me to do. 
And I think that this is so important in our lives because we can get so sidetracked by, by what other people do and other people's motives. And I don't know if you're like, like me, but sometimes, you know, you see what people are doing or saying or, or they do an inference or, or they gossip about you or, or, or maybe even tack on motives that aren't pure onto you. And it can be very, very distracting. It can be really, really hurtful. And the most tragic thing is it can stop you from being an ambassador of Christ. It can stop you from doing the thing that he had planned for you long ago. He continues on in in verse 20, and he says this, for I fully expect and hope that I will never be ashamed, but that I will continue to be bold for Christ as I have been in the past. And I trust that my life will bring honor to Christ, whether I live or die. You know, I... I love this, this uh, just phrase here. I actually have it highlighted in, in, my, in my Bible that, that he's making a declaration saying, you know what? Even though it would be easier for me to shrink back and be ashamed of the gospel and just kind of live my life, I don't want my life to be about that. No matter what happens, I want my life to bring honor to Christ, whether I live or I die. In the context of our lives, you know, it, we, can, we could say, you know what, no matter if I get that promotion or if I don't get that promotion, I want my life to bring honor to Christ. Or if I get that award or I don't get that award, I want my life to bring honor to Christ. If I win that race or I don't win that race, I want my life to bring honor to God. If I get the, you know, that raise or I don't get that raise, it doesn't matter. I trust that my life will bring honor to God. And he says, you know, and he's facing and very real being in prison that he's facing execution. He's like, you know what? If I live or die, if I'm executed or I'm set free, either way, I want my life to matter and bring honor to Christ. For to me, verse 21, living means living for Christ and dying is even better. But if I live, I can do more fruitful work for Christ. So I really don't know which is better. I'm torn between two desires. I long to go and be with Christ, which would be far better for me, but for your sakes, it is better that I continue to live. You see what he's saying here? He's like, I'm ready to check out. He's like, you know what? This, I, this, I am despairing even to life. That for me, it would be easier just to go home and be executed and be in heaven with our Father than continue this very difficult path that you have set me on. I was first exposed to this in a, in a real way with a, with a guy I served with uh, many years ago in a high school group. And he was intense. He was, and, he, and not only was he intense, he was an intense prayer. You ever been with an intense prayer? I remember the first time he did this, and he did it often. We got all the high schoolers together. We had about, you know, eight guys. 
and we were sitting there and we'd have our Bible study and then we'd ask for prayer requests, you know, kind of normal stuff, right? And then we'd all, you know, be doing the, the uh, popcorn prayer, you know, popcorn prayer, just no order to it, just, you know. And it would be, you know, pop, 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 you know, pray for my pet, pray for, you know, pray that I win the lottery, pray that this girl likes me, pray, pray, boop, 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 boop. And then this guy would get, jump in. Oh, God in heaven. Things are just so intense and we want, you know, and he would just go into this, you know, this prayer and go. And then I remember the first time he comes in, he's like, Jesus, we just want you to come right now. And he stopped praying and waited. We're like, okay. That was a fervent, like, we want Jesus to come right now. And I was like thinking, I'm like sitting there going like, I I got tickets to the Dodger game tomorrow. <laughs> Maybe Jesus can come tomorrow. <laughs> and it, so he'd sit there and he's like, okay. And I'm, you know, we start looking up, you know, is Jesus coming back? Because he, he was like convincing. He's like, okay. You know, and he'd go and he'd like, okay, Jesus, you know, and, you know, and he'd go on like that. And I never really got it. It was a little bit intimidating the first time that I experienced because I just didn't have the life experience to be, to, to want to be with Jesus so much and that, that, that the path that I'd on had been that, that painful. And I remember the first time I prayed that type of prayer. Um, it wasn't with high schoolers, but... Uh, but, you know, I, I was about 25 years old where, and I was, I was just at a place where I was like, you know what? Yeah, you know what? I would prefer, it would be easier if Jesus came right now. And because I was just despairing to life. And then, but Paul's sitting here and he's looking, he's in this really, really difficult situation, but he pivots and says, even though that would be better for me, it's better that I stay and suffer and go through this adversity because I have still got work to do. And this is one of my heartfelt beliefs as a, as a follower of Christ and as a pastor that I wholeheartedly believe as long as you draw breath, that you are called to service, that you are called to make this world a better place. And, and, you know, people are like, I don't know if God has a calling on my life. Are you room temperature? <laughs> I mean, it's, it's an easy test, right? So if you are breathing, if your body is not room temperature, yes, God has you in the game and wants you and has, has planned for you to do amazing things. Now, not amazing in, in necessarily in the sense of, of spectacular, but amazing in somebody's life. And as long as you're alive to keep on serving and loving and making this world better than it before how it was handed to you. Verse 25, knowing this, I am convinced that I will remain alive so I can continue to help all of you grow and experience the joy of your faith. And when I come to you again, you will have even more reason to take pride in Jesus Christ because of what he is doing through me. I always, uh, Paul talks like this a lot, you know, just like, you know, what God is, what he is doing through me. The, the confidence of that 
is always uh, takes me back a little bit. He also, in, uh, in another letter, says, you know, whatever you've seen in me, whatever uh, you've heard me say, whatever I've done, put these things in a practice. Like, who can say that, right? I mean, believe me, maybe like 10% of things I say or 10% of the things I do, put those things in the practice, the other 90%, not so much, right? But living a life that is so focused that you can with confidence say, you know what? I am driving toward making Christ real for people. I am driving so hard to be the tangible hand of Christ and to make his name known that everything I am and everything that I do is to bring glory to God and that you can model your life after me to be inspired by me. In verse 27, he continues on. He says, above all, you must live as citizens of heaven. And this is how Paul does it, that, that he has an eternal mindset. He doesn't look at the temporary. He doesn't look, he does not have a situational faith. He, has any, he looks toward heaven and looks and has an eternal faith. Conducting yourselves in a man, manner worthy of the good news about Christ. Then when I come and see you again or only hear about you, I will know that you are standing together with one spirit and one purpose, fighting together for the faith, which is the good news. And I think that that really comes down to it is that's the chair, that's the red chair for us to sit in that red chair, to, to live a life that is worthy of the gospel. To be the one who, you know, gets up and, 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 and lives each and every day and every, each and every action as an act of love that is not motivated for yourself, but to glorify Christ. And then I just want to uh, finish with, with this. He says in verse 28, don't be intimidated in any way by your enemies. This will be a sign to them that they are going to be destroyed but that you are going to be saved even by God himself. For you have privilege, the privilege of suffering for him. We are in the struggle together. You have seen my struggle in the past and you know that I am still in the midst of it. Paul did life in community. And I'm just gonna get, on a pastoral level and just a church level uh, for a second. This is something that's so important because again, the reality is you will go through hard times in the future. And the difference between going through hard times by yourself in isolation, which is the tool of the enemy and going through it in community is what you do now. Coming on, on Sunday is great but it's only a step that, you know, we talk a lot about serving and being in, in growth groups and Bible studies and going to classes and everything. And all of those things have a purpose and, and are important, but the main purpose is getting to know one another and building a community. So when, when adversity strikes, when the winds of adversity start blowing through your life, they, you have people 
who are going to hold you up and to help you stand firm. Because I've seen it all too often when the winds start blowing and they will come. If you're not connected in biblical community and with people that you know who are in the struggle with you, it's not too late because the church will be there, but it's different than if you are already invested in community. And know, you know what? I know that this group of people, not everybody in the church, but a small group of people that, that they will go through it with me. And that's why it's so important to, you know, to serve and to, and, and to be in growth groups and, and to be in, in the classes and, and all of these kinds of things because this is, this is where life happens. This is where the conversations happen. This is where you get to learn about people's quirky you know, behaviors and, and, and different things like that and makes people real and makes this place real. And, and say, you know what? I am going to commit to this because you know what? I want to be part of a community that I can stand with others and I know that they will stand with me no matter how hard the winds of adversity. Are. You guys pray with me.